This is the Breath of Fresh Jets podcast with Charlie Badwini. This is the Breath of Fresh Jets podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Badwini, and folks, welcome back to the podcast. This is your number one stop for all things Jets content and news, and probably the most excited podcast for this upcoming Jets season that you're going to listen to. We took a little bit of a break over the summer, not a, not a lot going on. You know, we had OTAs at the end of uh, end of June going into the beginning of July, and then we had that little off period of uh, not, not a lot going on, but the Jets are back at Florham Park this week getting ready for training camp. I'm sure everybody is relieved after the little Zach Wilson Jets contract standoff uh, this past week. You know, everyone hates offset language. Uh, you know, the Jets and uh, Wilson's agent were entrenched in a little bit of a battle, but that got all, all sorted out. Wilson was at practice today. He missed the first two days, but not too big of a deal. It wasn't like padded practice or anything. There wasn't too much to miss. But other than that, we do have some information about what the uh, potential starting offense and defense may look like going into the beginning of the season. Unfortunately, there are two players who are already ruled out for week one, that being Vinnie Curry, defensive end, who was just recently signed, and safety Ashton Davis, who's heading into his second year. Both players uh, already ruled out for week one, so looks like LaMarcus Joyner and John Franklin Myers will be getting the start to start the season. If those two guys start working their way back into the rotation, we'll see about that. But on offense, not too many surprises. Of course, you know we got Beckton and Vera Tucker at the, at the uh, left tackle and left guard spot. Got McGovern at center. Greg Van Roten is still the starter at right guard. You know, with, there's still a lot of time before the season starts for someone like you know Cam Clark or Alex Lewis to you know put some pressure on him to, to uh, start in that right guard spot. And at right tackle, we have our new addition of Morgan Moses starting at right tackle. George Fan, unfortunately a captain last year, uh, relegated to backup duties. But I, honestly, George Fan is probably the best backup you could have in the NFL right now. He plays both the left and right tackle positions at pretty pretty high high level. So honestly, pretty happy about that. And if if one of one of our starting offensive linemen go down, I'm not too worried because we have depth all over the place. At receiver, we have Corey Davis and. Keelan Cole starting on the other side, uh, opposite of Davis, which was a bit of a shock. When Keelan Cole signed, everyone figured it was with depth signing, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, so the Jets aren't looking at, you know, Jeff Smith and Lawrence Cager like they had to at certain points of the season last year when their starting receivers went down. But some of the bigger shocks being um, Tyler Croft starting over Chris Herndon at tight end, and of course, like I said, Cole over someone like Denzel Mims on the outside. And the unfortunate thing about Mims is, he, he was a fan favorite after the after the draft in 2020. Uh, your second round pick out of Baylor. There's a lot of excitement. He missed a lot of training camp with injury. He missed the start of the season with some hamstring injuries. And then he kind of came on towards the end of the season. He had a, a few nice catches against the Chiefs, against the Chargers late in the season last year. But somehow he's made his way down all the way to the third team. You had guys like Elijah Moore, who no surprise there was getting reps with the second team. Vincent Smith and Braxton Berrios. So when you're behind two guys who were waiver wire pickups, not really a good sign for Mims. I'm a little concerned about him heading into the season. I'm, I'm not too sure of his role in this offense, unfortunately. But, you know, like I said, a lot of time left for him to prove himself, make the coaching staff believe in him a bit more. But we'll keep, keep, uh, keep an eye on that situation as training camp moves on. We didn't get a lot of word on the starting defense. However, what we do know is Carl Lawson was 
absolutely giving the schmeat to Makai Becton in practice. He was beating him almost every other snap, which is like it, it, it's it's so hard to be like excited or sad about that because like on one hand, you know, Carl Lawson is just absolutely saucing a six foot seven, three hundred and fifty pound monster on the offensive line, but on the other hand, Makai Becton isn't able to stop him. So, is this good? Is it bad? I'm I'm just gonna say this is uh this is decent for us because you know. But also another thing to keep in mind: pads are not on. This isn't like a you know full speed, but just a, a lot of excitement all all over this roster for so many different new pieces and new uh, weapons for the Jets to utilize going into the season. And I, I couldn't be more excited, guys. I, I really can't stress enough how excited I am for the 2021 Jets season. This team is going to be so much fun to watch, and I can't wait to dive into that more in the coming weeks. We're going to do a, uh, a whole deep dive on the National Football League in, in, as a whole on uh, you know my predictions on what teams are going to do what, what teams are going to be you know competing for playoff spots, what teams are going to be in the playoffs. I, I'm, I'm really excited for that, and that's coming up pretty soon. Now, moving on from training camp, uh, I, I figured it would be a lot of fun to bring back the podcast after this little uh, little hiatus with a fun segment that I've been working on the past few weeks, and that is the all-time New York Jets roster. I'm talking from 1960 all the way to 2021. Who are the best Jets of all time at each, at each position on this team? And what better place to start than on the offensive side of the ball with the most important position on the field, and that is quarterback. I feel like there's a, it's a no-brainer here who I've got at the best quarterback of all time for the Jets. It's Joe Namath. He played from 1965 to 1976. He's a Hall of Famer. He was the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for over 4,000 yards. And that season adjusted to the modern NFL because, you know, back then they didn't throw the ball nearly as much as they do now is a 5,849-yard season, which would be the most passing yards in a season of all time now. That's, that's a bit of a cherry pick stat. I, I actually was able to write a paper on that uh, a couple semesters ago. I have a lot of fun with that stat. Uh, it's always fun to throw in people's faces when they, when they say Namath was never really that good. But, you know, I got a soft spot for my team's greatest quarterback of all time and, you know, the legendary Joe Willie Namath. He's still the franchise leader in passing yards. It's 27,057. He's the only Jets quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl, give this team a ring. He's a, you know, Super Bowl MVP and... The rest of his career accolades include two AFL MVPs, a six-time All-Star, and a four-time first-team All-Pro selection. Some honorable mentions I have underneath Namath include Ken O'Brien, who played from 84 to 92, Chad Pennington, who unfortunately due to injuries had a, a little bit of a shortened career, played from 2000 to 2007, and honestly, I also threw in Mark Sanchez here, and the only reason why, it's not, not because he's one of the most talented quarterbacks the Jets have ever had on their team, but because a couple weeks ago there was this horrible uh, pro football focus take going around that Mark Sanchez was the, was the Jets' worst draft pick since 2006, which is complete and utter bullcrap. Like, I mean, you got guys like Vernon Golston who flamed out, Dean Milner who's not in the league, Calvin Pryor who played a few good seasons but is also not in the league. I just think a guy to 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 be 4-2 and two in the playoffs who, is, who had beaten Peyton Manning, had beaten Tom Brady, how, how could you possibly list him as one of the worst Jets draft picks in, in recent memory when there's just so many other terrible, terrible selections to choose from? Um, so I, I got a, love for Mark, a lot of love for the Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, and I don't think he deserves to, to have that slander on him. That's why I, I felt the need to have him, have him uh, thrown in there in honorable mentions. The greatest Jets running back of all time, another pretty easy one, has to be Curtis Martin, who played with the Jets from 98 to 2005. He's also a Hall of Famer. Uh, 
Curtis Martin followed Bill Parcells from the Patriots to the Jets in 98, and then he had a 1,000-yard rushing season in every year but 2005, which was his, his last year in the NFL, and he only played uh, 12 games. He is also the Jets' all-time rushing leader with 10,302 yards and 58 touchdowns. He had the rushing title in 2004 and was a five-time Pro Bowler in his time with the Jets. Curtis Martin, uh, you know, can't, can't, not, not, not a lot more to say about him. He's just one of the greatest Jets of all time, and I wish I had, had gotten, gotten to see him play more. I was just a youngin back then, but that's going to be the case for a lot of these guys moving forward. So, Honorable mentions at running back include Freeman McNeil, who played with the Jets from 81 to 92, I believe, and Emerson Boozer, a member of that Super Bowl three team who played from 66 to 75. I got three guys here at wide receiver, wide receiver one being Hall of Famer Don Maynard, who played with the New York Jets and New York Titans from 1960 to 1972. He is the all-time franchise receiving leader with 627 catches, 11,732 yards, and 88 touchdowns. Maynard played in an era that wasn't as pass-happy, you know, as I mentioned with the, the Namath stats, yet he still managed to go over the 1,000-yard mark five different times, including 1,434 yards in 1967, which is just kind of mind-boggling when you think about racking up that amount of yards in, a, in an era where, you know, passing the ball wasn't as, as, as prominent as it is today. Most teams ran it, you know. Uh, he's, he's a four-time Pro Bowler and a one-time first-team All-Pro and, of course, a enshrined in the Canton Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wide receiver two on the roster is Wesley Walker, who played with the Jets from 1977 to 1989. He was a second-round pick, and he is second all-time on the Jets receiving list with 8,306 yards and 71 touchdowns. He played his entire career with the Jets and was a two-time Pro Bowler and a one-time first-team All-Pro. And playing in the slot is the original slot wide receiver, Wayne Corbett, an undrafted free agent in 1995. He played 10 years with the Jets until 2005. You know, Corbett was the kind of guy who made every contested catch, even though he wasn't the biggest guy out in the field. He just played with the most heart. He put his body on the line in so many games, despite more often than not being the smallest guy on the field. Uh, and him being undrafted out of Hofstra is just, just, just a, a testament to his will, you know, of just forcing his way into the NFL and making sure he played and left his mark on the game, which, you know, he basically created the slot, slot position. I don't want to hear about Wes Welker or, or Julian Edelman. Corbett is the OG slot receiver. Honorable mentions at wide receiver include Al Toon, who played with the Jets from 85 to 92, and George Sauer, a member of the Super Bowl III team, playing from 65 to 1970. Tight end was a bit of a tough position to go through. There's not a lot of notable Jets tight ends throughout history, but the guy I came, uh, came down to was Mickey Schuler, who played with the Jets from 1978 to 1989. He was a third-round pick in 78, and he played 12 seasons with the Jets racking up 4,819 yards in the process. That's good for 7th in team history. He had 37 touchdowns, which is good for 6th in team history. But his best overall season came in 1988, when he hauled in 70 passes for 805 yards and 5 touchdowns, earning his only trip to the Pro Bowl. And fun fact, that was the only time a Jets tight end ever made it to the Pro Bowl. Honorable mentions for the tight end position include Rich Castor, who played from 70 to 77, and Jerome Barkham from 72 to 83. Moving on to offensive line, this had to be the second hardest uh, position group to choose from as there's there's been a lot of great Jets offensive linemen throughout history. But starting at the left tackle position, this might be a little controversial, but we have DeBrickishaw Ferguson who played with the Jets from 2006 to 2015. He was the fourth overall pick in the 2006 NFL Draft, and he responded by starting every single game at left tackle for the Jets all 10 years of his career, earning three Pro Bowl appearances along the way and helping helping guide the Jets to two AFC Championship games. 
Ferguson only ever missed one snap his entire career with the Jets, and that being the last play of the Jets' 2008 season. Down 24-17 with 7 seconds left and the ball at their own 7-yard line, the Jets decided to take their offensive line off the field for a desperate multilateral play. It was, fun fact, Darrell Revis, of all people, who lined up at left tackle on the play. Brick, one of the all-time great Jets, the definition of an Iron Man, playing one of the most difficult positions on the field and somehow never missing a, a snap due to injury. Just a, a, a Jet legend, in my opinion. Starting at left guard, we have Randy Rasmussen, who played from 1967 to 1981. He was a Jet for 15 years and also a member of the Super Bowl III team, and only missed eight games during that 15-year stretch. A two-time second-team All-Pro, he was the last of the, of the starting Jets players in Super Bowl III to retire, playing his final game in the 1981 playoffs against the Buffalo Bills. When I was doing research for him, uh, I, f I found that he, he recovered a fumble for a touchdown in 1972. I guess it was like a, a goal-line fumble by a running back, and he just scooped it up and, you know, big-man touchdown. I always thought that was, uh, was pretty awesome. A lot of respect for that. Another controversial pick here, but I think you'll see why after. Uh, center Nick Mangold played with the Jets from 2006 to 2016. He was a member of the same draft class as DeBrickashaw. He was 29th overall, and Nick anchored that center position for 10 years as a Jet, leading the ground-and-pound Rex Ryan teams to two AFC Championship games. He's one of the more decorated players in Jets history with seven Pro Bowls, two-time first-team All-Pro, and a one-time second-team All-Pro. Starting at right guard is newly-minted Hall of Famer Kevin Mawe, who played with the Jets from 98 to 2005. A lot of people might have been saying on the last pick, why is Mawe not at center? I moved him out to guard because he did play guard throughout his career, uh, not with the Jets, but with his time with the Seahawks and Steelers. And I just love me some Nick Mangold, so I figured I could, you know, stick my way there at right guard and get away with it. So, um, similarly to DeBrick and Nick Mangold, he helped lead the Jets and their number one rushing offense to an AFC Championship game in 1999, you know, making those huge holes for Curtis Martin. Uh, while Mawe spent time with the Seahawks and the Titans, excuse me, not the Steelers, I meant the Titans, uh, during his career, you could argue his best years were spent in New York. He was a six-time Pro Bowler and a two-time first-team All-Pro during his time in New York. Starting at right tackle, we have Marvin Powell, who played from 1977 to 1985. He has to be the best player that I, I hadn't heard of when I was, that I found while doing research to make this roster. Um, he was the fourth overall pick in the 1977 draft. You know, the Jets love, love using their first-round picks on offensive tackles. He played nine years for the Jets, making five Pro Bowls and earning three first-team All-Pro selections during that process. Some honorable mentions along the offensive line include Hall of Fame left tackle Winston Hill, who played from 1963 to 1976. You know, I, I, I really regret not being able to put him in there, but I, I couldn't put him past DeBrick and Marvin Powell. And Jim Sweeney at left guard, who played from 1984 to 1994. Two great players, but didn't make the cut. Sorry, guys. You're listening to The Breath of Fresh Jets with Charlie Badwini. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, we have at defensive tackle numero uno, Joe Klecko, who played with the Jets from 1979 to 1988. The greatest Canton snub in Hall of Fame history, a six-round pick in the 1977 draft, the only man to be voted into the Pro Bowl at three different positions along the defensive line, and 1981 AFC Defensive Player of the Year, Joe Klecko deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I said it. It should be an absolute known fact, and it's just an absolute disgrace to the Pro Football Hall of Fame that this man is not in it. 
Quarterback sacks were not an official stat until 1982, but in 1981, Joe Klecko got to the quarterback 20 and a half times. Hopefully one day, Klecko will get the respect he deserves and will be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame forever. Our second defensive tackle is Marty Lyons, who played with the Jets from 1979 to 1989. He was the 14th overall pick in the 1979 draft, and Lyons enjoyed a storied career as a Jet as one of the faces of the New York Sack Exchange. Along with the likes of the previously mentioned Joe Klecko, a name you'll hear down the line, and Mark Gastineau and Abdul Salam, those four go down as the New York Sack Exchange and one of the greatest defensive fronts of all time. And with their help, and of course the guy across town, Lawrence Taylor helped persuade the NFL to start recording sacks and make that an actual stat because before before these guys, it wasn't as big of a deal as it was. Marty Lyons in retirement is prominently featured on the Jets pre- and post-game show on Sundays. His voice is synonymous with me driving to East Rutherford and driving home for home games every Sunday. He was the 1984 Walter Payton Man of the Year, and ironically enough, Lyons is known uh, infamously for an incident during a 1986 game at Giants Stadium where Lyons attempted to sack Bills quarterback Jim Kelly and started to punch him repeatedly after the ball was thrown. Referee Ben Dreeth flagged Lyons for a personal foul, and I, I just got to play this clip because it's one of the one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my life. Call the personal foul I'll pick this up. on number 99 of the defense after he tackled the quarterback. He's giving them business down there at <laughs> a 15-yard penalty. Imagine in today's game a referee giving a personal foul for quote unquote giving him the business. And if that's not the most 80s thing you've ever heard in your life, I don't know what is. But uh, and another thing, the referee says 99. That was Mark Gastineau's number. He messed up there. It was indeed Marty Lyons who was giving Jim Kelly the business. Honorable mentions at defensive tackle include John Elliott, who played from 67 to 73, and Sione Pahua, who played from 05 to 2012 with the Jets. A fan favorite. Starting at defensive end, we have one of the greatest pass rushers in NFL history, Mark Gastineau, who played with the Jets from 1979 to 1988. Gastineau picked up many awards throughout his career. He's the true sack record holder. While many players have since reached the landmark of 22 sacks in a season, Gastineau was the first to do it in 1984. Speaking of which, in 1981, Joe Klecko and Gastineau were the only pair of teammates in NFL history to each have over 20 sacks in a season. However, this doesn't officially count since sacks were not a stat until the following year, which is such horse crap, man. Like, when has that ever happened in the history of the league before? Two teammates having 20 sacks each? It's just absolutely mind-boggling. Um, regardless, he holds the Jets team record with 74 sacks. He's a five-time Pro Bowler, a three-time first-team All-Pro, and the only player in league history to lead the league in sacks back-to-back -back seasons. I don't think we'll ever see another pass rusher like Mark Gastineau again. He's one of the all-time greats, not just on the Jets, but one of the all-time greatest pass rushers in NFL history. On the other side of Gastineau, at defensive end two, we have Sean Ellis, who played with the Jets from 2000 to 2010. This was a difficult choice between Super Bowl, Super Bowl champion Jerry Philbin, but I decided to go with the man who is second all-time on the Jets with sacks, Sean Ellis. The 12th overall pick in the 2000 draft, Sean Ellis anchored the defensive end spot for a decade on the Jets, earning two Pro Bowls in the process. I'll never forget uh, Sean Ellis' two sacks on Tom Brady in the 2010 Divisional Round upset in Foxborough, one of the greatest Jets games of all time. Honorable mentions at defensive end include, of course, Jerry Philbin, 
who played from 64 to 72, and John Abraham, who played from 2000 to 2005. Starting at linebacker, which, uh, quick precursor to the linebacker position. I, I didn't really, you know, keep an eye on outside linebackers, inside linebackers. I just did the top three linebackers in Jets history. So at linebacker one, we have Larry Granton, who played with the Titans and the Jets from 1960 to 1972. He was a member of the 68 championship team and the signal caller and leader of that Jets defense that held the historic Baltimore Colts offense to seven points in Super Bowl three. He's a five-time Pro Bowler and a five-time first-team All-Pro. Grantham will most likely go down as the greatest Jets linebacker of all time, if in, unless you're counting the first three quarters of the Buffalo game in Week 1 2019. C.J. Mosley probably takes the cake there. At linebacker 2, we have Mo Lewis, who played from 1991 to 2003. He's probably better known as the man responsible for Tom Brady getting his first career action in an NFL game. Mo Lewis actually enjoyed a lengthy and storied career with Gang Green. Uh, a third-round pick out of Georgia in 1991, Lewis played 13 years exclusively for the Jets and earned three Pro Bowl nods and one first-team All-Pro selection in the process. Our third and final linebacker being David Harris, who played with the Jets from 2007 to 2016. A player the Mike Tannenbaum-led Jets traded up for in the second round of the 2007 draft, David Hitman Harris was the captain and leader of the Jets' defense since he earned the starting inside linebacker job in 2008. The shining moment of his Jets' career has to be that early first quarter interception of Tom Brady in the 2010 divisional round, a play that set the tone of the game and paved the way for a Jets upset. Harris played one season with the Patriots at the end of his career, similar to another longtime defensive cornerstone in John, El uh, excuse me, Sean Ellis. But I feel like there was another that took his talents to New England. Uh, I can't seem to put my finger on it, though. Jets, superstar defensive player that, that played a year in New England. Hmm... Honorable mentions at linebacker include Greg Buttle, who played from 76 to 84, and Al Atkinson, who played from 65 to 74. Starting at the cornerback position, I think everyone knows who I was talking about previously. We have cornerback Darrell Rivas, who played with the Jets from 2007 to 2012, and then came back for a farewell tour in 2015 and 16. A player you can make the case for is one of the greatest all-time corners in history, in my opinion. Rivas is arguably the greatest Jet of all time. After being drafted 14th overall in 2006, Rivas Island spent eight total seasons with the Jets, making the Pro Bowl five times and earning three first-team All-Pros with the team. One thing that always rubbed me the wrong way was Rivas's absolute abomination of a snubbing in the 2009 Defensive Player of the Year award voting. Everyone knows that screenshot of his notable receivers he held under 35 yards that season, including Andre Johnson, Randy Moss, twice a Hall of Famer, Marquise Colston, Terrell Owens twice, another Hall of Famer, Torrey Holt, who I believe is in the Hall of Fame, Steve Smith, and Reggie Wayne, who I believe will be a Hall of Famer. Also, Chad Ochocinco. That season, he piled up six interceptions and 31 passes broken up. Revis' 2009 season was so good, NFL teams straight up did not throw it his way in 2010. Instead, the league handed the 2009 Defensive Player of the Year award to Charles Woodson, who may have had flashier stats, but wasn't taking the other team's best weapon and completely rendering them ineffective for 60 minutes every Sunday. Cornerback two is Aaron Glenn, who played with the Jets from 1994 to 2001. Uh, a head coaching candidate before the Sala hire, Aaron Glenn played eight seasons with the Jets after they selected him 12th overall in the 1994 NFL Draft. A two-time Pro Bowler in New York who amassed 24 interceptions in the green and white, his time unfortunately came to an end when the newly created Houston Texans selected him, along with two other Jets, in the 2002 expansion draft. 
Honorable mentions at corner include Bobby Jackson, who played from 78 to 85, and James Hasty, who played from 88 to 94. Starting at strong safety for the Jets' all-time team, we have Victor Green, who played from 93 to 2001. A fitting name for a New York Jet, Victor Green was picked up as an undrafted free agent following the 1993 draft. By 1994, Green had earned his spot on the roster as a starting strong safety for the next seven years. Although he never picked up a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro during his career, Green holds the record for most single-season tackles by a safety with 123 in 1996. Honorable mention for the strong safety position is Jamal Adams, who played with the Jets from 17 to 19, but might be a little too soon to say that. I don't know. He, his time in New York was, was pretty special. He definitely racked up some, some uh, decent accolades while he was here. Starting at free safety is Bill Baird, who played with the Jets from 1963 to 1969. Another member of the 68 Super Bowl team, Bill Baird holds the Jets record for all-time interceptions with 34 over a seven-year career with the Jets. Honorable mention at free safety includes Denard Paulson, who played from 61 to 66. Rounding out with special teams, at kicker we have Pat Leahy, who played with the Jets from 1974 to 1991. He was an 18-year New York Jet veteran, and he's the all-time leading scorer in franchise history with a whopping 1,470 points. Hitting 71% of his field goals and 96% of his extra points. Must have been nice to not have to worry about your about the kicker position for 18 years while the one-time first-team All-Pro Leahy held that position down. Honorable mention is Nick Folk, who played with the Jets from 2010 to 2016. As Rex Ryan would call him, it's just folklore. At punter, we have Curly Johnson, who played with the Jets from 1961 to 1968. First as a Titan and as a Jet, Curly Johnson holds the team record for punt yard average with 42.8 yards per punt. Uh, he was a key contributor in Super Bowl III, constantly pinning the Baltimore Colts deep in their territory for the start of every possession. Honorable mention includes Chuck Ramsey, who played from 1977 to 1984 with the Jets. So that was the all-time Jets roster on offense, defense, and special teams. I'm sure you heard some familiar names in there. While also, I, I hope I was able to teach some people some uh, some new Jets, or I, I guess not new Jets, but older Jets who were all-time greats that some people hadn't heard of. Like for me, I, I had never heard of Marvin Powell before doing research for this article. Um, I, I didn't know Mo Lewis played for so long with the Jets. I thought that was pretty cool. The fact that Klecko and Gastineau both had over 20 sacks in, uh, in 81 is absolutely mind-boggling to me. I, I don't understand how that's not talked about more, but I guess that's just, you know, uh, that's what it's like being a Jets fan. But thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing this uh, all-time Jets roster. It, it was a lot of fun going, digging deep into the archives, seeing some uh, you know old stats, old awards. But we're going to be back next week previewing the 2021 NFL season. Uh, I think I got a good format going for that already. The work's already started, and I can't wait to get that out to you guys. I think we'll be doing uh, division by division AFC and NFC. So like you know, next week maybe I'll be doing the AFC East and the NFC East. You know, uh, the following week, AFC North, NFC North, and etc. So, hope you guys have a good weekend, and I will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Breath of Fresh Jets with Charlie Badwin.